Good morning, everyone, and I would like to welcome us to a service this morning. It's a special one. It's a wonderful one, and um, especially with uh, uh, the lockdown that the state of Victoria has been thrown into. I just want to reassure you that uh, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, this is a short one. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are victorious. COVID-19 will not rule over us, will not rule over our state. Uh, Jesus gave us victory totally, and we are not fighting for victory, we are fighting from victory in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can hear some people, I can hear in the spirit. People say, we don't even know for how long this will last. We know for how long it will last. It will not last very long. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, even the seven days that they have said, we make it, we affirm that, we, we declare that, we proclaim that, it will not go beyond that in Jesus' name. And we trust God that this thing will not continue to spread and spread and spread in the community. Sometimes uh, listen to some of the announcements and uh, a lot of it sometimes there's an expression of fear. Oh, we don't know how many cases we'll see. We don't know how long. We don't know all of this. Uh, don't, give, don't, don't, don't give place to fear. Uh, don't, 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 don't declare fear. Don't proclaim fear. Fear is a spirit. And it has a way of taking over its environment. It has a way of taking over, uh, you know, the, the environment. And that is why we must continue to stand in faith and to proclaim the word of the Lord and to proclaim the wisdom of God and to proclaim through the grace of God, the counsel of God, uh, so that the will of God indeed can be accomplished. I want us to just pray. Let's pray for Victoria. Let's pray for our state. And let's even pray also for the nations of the world. Let's just pray in the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, makateli masolo babasheli masekentia. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise. Father, we worship you. Father, we adore you. Thank you so much, O oh Lord, my God. We declare over our state. We declare over our nation. We declare over this entire area. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We declare, O oh Lord, my God, that COVID-19 will not rule over us in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ everything you have not planted again we start to root them out in Jesus name Father we thank you so much Lord we decree and declare this thing is not spreading in our community this thing is not taking on new life in the name of Jesus we, uh, we decapitate it in the spirit in Jesus name we push it back in Jesus name Father we thank you we worship and we adore you. Thank you, wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name we have prayed. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, once again, I would like to welcome us uh, to the service this morning, uh, last week Sunday in church. And by the grace of God, I will see you in church next Sunday. In Jesus' name. Uh, last week Sunday, we declared that today will be a breakthrough service. 
well, uh, we still have some form of ministration, but we reserve the rest to next Sunday. So, uh, you know, the, God has a way of of uh, of putting the enemy to shame all the time. So instead of just one package, you're going to get a double package. In Jesus' name, praise the name of the Lord. So this morning, I'll continue again what I started last week on the accurate pattern for building the house of God. Accurate pattern for building the house of God. Uh, and I will start to read again from Exodus 12, verse number 35. Remember, Israel left Egypt with a lot of pomp and pageantry. Uh, it was such a mighty deliverance by the hands of the Almighty God. They've had they've been in Egypt for over 400 years, and it's been one bondage, especially the last, uh, the last uh, for 40 years. It, it was bondage and problems, and, and the Bible says they were in bitter anguish of heart. And they cried out to God, and God sent his deliverance to them. And then they were not delivered from Egypt. The Bible says 600,000 men left Egypt. I'll read from verse 35. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, and they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. Remember, the Egyptians were their lords. They were the ones lording over them. But God has turned around the table. The Lord will turn the table around for you in Jesus' name. And the Lord gave them favor. Hallelujah. Praise God. This is something that is so important to the believer today, working in divine favor. We have not been called to just labor. We have been called to allow to work in favor. Because it's not just going to be by labor, it's going to be by favor. You need to start to trust God for God's favor in your life. So that you are not just working in labor. You are not just toiling and toiling and toiling. Oh, and I pray that over you. The favor of God as you've never seen before. The favor of God as you've never experienced before. You will be encompassed with favor. Favor will surround you. Favor will go ahead of you. Favor, favor, favor in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Amen. So the people, God gave them favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Hallelujah. Praise God. They granted them what? What they requested. Amen. Sometimes you're making requests and you're not getting answers. <laughs> what you need is favor. God granting you favor in sight of what? In sight of men. In sight of the people that are holding those things so that you can receive the things that you are asking for. Amen. So God granted their favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that what they were granted what they requested. And then they thus they plundered the Egyptians. Verse 37. Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. Isn't that interesting? On foot. Meaning that God must have padded their feet. Or else they will not be able to travel. Uh, for how long can you walk just on your bare word? No. The Bible says their sandals did not wear out for the years they were in the wilderness. So there was even a supernatural what? Empowerment even of their feet there so that they could travel. Uh, and besides children. Amen. 
Verse 10 says, A mixed multitude went up with them, and also their flocks and their herbs, and a great deal of livestock. A mixed multitude went up with them. That was the problem with, you know, that was the major problem. It became a major problem later. A mixed multitude. Maybe I need to read that to you from other translations. Let me read it to you. Uh, from uh, the the ERV, easy to read trans translation. Easy to read translation. Exodus chapter number 12, 36 and 30 to 38. And the law caused the Egyptians to be kind to the to the Israelites. So the Egyptians gave their riches to eat to the Israelites. They gave them their riches. 37. The Israelites traveled from Ramses to Succoth. And there were about 600,000 men, not counting the small boys. <laughs> I like that. Not count, so by the time you add the small boys to them, then how many would they be? So not counting the small boys. A great number of people who were not Israelites went with them, along with many sheep, cattle, and other livestock. Uh, when I was reading this thing, you know, I felt the Lord just... just uh, uh, you know, putting in my heart, laying on my heart to look again at that 38, that verse number 38 that says, A great mort, a mixed multitude went with them. Oh, exactly this mixed multitude. The Bible says they were not Israelites, they were not, they were not Jews, but they went with them. Some of them were Egyptians, some of them were other nations around them. But the most important thing was not even the nationality. The most important thing was the fact that they did not carry, they did not have the values. They did not have the values of the children of Israel. They did not belong. They've not, yes, they, they joined them, but they've not known the God that took them out of Egypt. So their values were different. Be careful, the people that you call your close friends, do they share the same values with you? Do they believe in the God you're serving? Do, have they embraced the God that you are serving? If they've not embraced the God you're serving, if they do not have the values that you're supposed to have, let me tell you, the friends you're not influencing will eventually influence you. Many times, those we call our close friends, sometimes I ask my daughter's days, when they say, oh, I'm, I'm, oh maybe I'm going out with someone. I mean, uh, I'm talking about just going out. I'm not talking about relationship. Uh, oh, let, let me say, I want to go out. And then I ask them a question. That, that person that you want to you say you are going out, you want to do, and we're going to eat, or we're going out to play uh, that that game that you roll the ball, I've forgotten what you call it now. Yes, bowling. Then I ask the question is that person or are those people, uh, do they share the same values with you? Are they born again? And they say, well, well, and sometimes I've received answers like, well, well. I said, I said, there's nothing like, well, well. When you are saying, well, well, it means it is not, it's not well. Uh, because they don't, well, 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 well. No, 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 no. Do they share the same values with you? Do they believe in the God you're serving? Are those people born again? Are they children of God? Do they go to church? Do, and I'm not talking about just showing up. Praise God. Hallelujah. I remember my first daughter, she's married now, living with her husband in Canada. There was a time she came back and said, oh, I invited a young man 
uh, oh, oh, I, she saw, uh, is, I was coming back from, she was in uni then, and she was coming back home from, 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 from school. And this young man in his car, maybe he thought, I've got this beautiful car, and I'm going to drive this car, and I'm going to impress this young girl. And then she parked the car, said, where are you going? He said, okay, I'm, I'm going home. Um, and then eventually, you know, dropped her there. And she invited him, started talking to, to him about church. He said, oh, church? Oh, yeah, we have come to church. Oh, come to church. And then, you know, uh, invited him to church. And then the, the man showed up in church. He said, well, I think, uh, <laughs> and then the, he had the word. He said, this one is not like the Baptist I've been going to. <laughs> and eventually he brought him to come and meet me. And I said, we spoke and sp uh, we shared a little bit. And he left there and said, this is hard. Mm -hmm. No, no, there's nothing hard there. It's just that we don't share the same values. Amen. Because the friend you are not influencing will what? influence you mothers fathers watch the friends your children are going out going around with what the people they are they are relating with sometimes you don't you know watch the watch those friends pay attention ask them when they're on the phone and they are texting who are they texting when they're on the phone well, well who are they talking to when they're on facebook who are they relating to watch them be watchful Oh, somebody said, I'm praying for them. Remember the words of Jesus. He didn't just say pray. He said, watch and pray. He said what? Watch and pray. Because before you realize it, they would have been influenced to believe wrong things, to, to have wrong values, and then suddenly it is fire on the mountain. Be careful. Watch them. Don't just leave them. Watch what they are doing. Amen. So this mixed multitude has nothing to do with the way they looked or the way they were. But what? The values. The values were different. Amen. Praise God. And eventually, you know what happened? That's why we're looking at this topic. Accurate pattern for building the house of God. How many people left Egypt? 600,000 men besides women and children. If you add the women, if you add the children, if you add the mixed multitudes, how many do you think left? They will have been close to 2 million, if not more than. But how many entered the promise that God had for them? How many people entered Canaan, the promised land? How many people go to their destination? Only two? If you're going to add the bones of Joseph, making three, what happened to all these hundreds of thousands? They didn't make it. What happened to the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, that went? They never got into the promised land. They didn't get into promise. So this is a warning for us. The Bible says the things that were written were written for admonition. Oh, it's a warning for us so that we are careful because we also have a promised land in God. The different now is this, with Israel, it was a physical land, the land of Canaan. With us, it is the fulfillment of God's divine purpose for our lives. Because you are not an accident of creation. You didn't just happen. You did not just drop from heaven. You are wonderfully and beautifully made to fulfill God's divine purpose. Now let me show it. Let me let me show you something. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter six. 
Because, you know, what we've been talking about purpose, talking about entering into purpose, you could see there. He made it very, very clear to them that he brought them out to bring them in. Deuteronomy chapter 6 from verse 17. 17 to 23. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 17 to 23. The purpose of God for Israel was not just to bring them out of Egypt, but to bring them into divine promise, which for them was the promised land of Canaan. But for us today is God's purpose and plan for our lives. Deuteronomy 6, 17. You shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God, his testimonies and his statutes, meaning that we're not to forget the testimonies. Amen. And the statutes and the laws which he has commanded you. The statutes, you shall keep the commandments and also is testimonies. That is why we share testimonies. What, that's why we encourage your people to share testimonies. Number one, to acknowledge what God has done. Number two, not to forget the thing that he has done. Number three, so that we continue to remind generations after us that look at what God did, that this is what God did in the past or during our time, and also to let them know what God can do in their own time too. And his status which he has commanded you, verse number 18, and you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be what? Well with you, and that you may go in and possess the good land of where the Lord swore to your fathers. 19, to cast out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has spoken. Verse number 20, when your son asks you in time to come, hallelujah, can you see that? Saying, what is the meaning of these testimonies? The statutes and the judgment with the Lord our God has commanded you. Verse 21. Then you shall say to your son. Do you remember what I said? So that we can let our sons we acknowledge. We continue to remind them. And for them to also know in their own generation. Then you shall say to your son. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. 23. Our 22, and the Lord brought, yes, and the Lord showed his signs and wonders before our eyes, great and severe against Egypt, Pharaoh and all his household. 23, he brought us out, hallelujah, that he might bring us in to give us the land of which he sowed to our fathers. He brought us out. Can you repeat that after me? He brought us out that he might bring us in. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. You know, and I'm talking to you. You know, I know you're watching me. Wherever you are in this city, wherever you are in, in this nation, wherever you are in the nations, I want you to say this after me. Repeat after me. Then he brought us out from there that he might bring us in to give us the land which you saw to our fathers. So he brought them out so that he might bring them in. And you know, I, I, can't, I can't go into that because of time. And immediately after they left Egypt, God started speaking to Moses about building a tabernacle wherein his people or wherein the people of God will be able to worship him. Because when they were going to leave Egypt, he kept saying, Moses kept saying to Pharaoh, by the word of the Lord, 
that let us go into the wilderness. Let us go away from here so that we may serve him, so that we may worship him. And this is so instructive because even from the very beginning, when Moses first met God, when he had his first encounter with God, God made this very clear to him. Because this morning, I want to bring out some things to you that will help you in fulfilling God's purpose so that you are built accurately. I must be very, very frank with you. I must be very, very honest with you. A lot of times, the way many Christian lives have been built, and of course, we can infer the way even families have been built or the way even churches have been built, a lot of the time, they are not accurate. They're not accurate because our emphasis are no, they are not accurate. And the thing that God will want us to focus on, the thing that God will want us to, because it, many years ago, many years ago, uh, and I just left, well, not long after I left the university, and I've been practicing as a medical physiotherapist, and practically all my friends, all our classmates, those of us that were together, and all of them, many of them started traveling overseas from Africa then to work, especially in the U.S., and a few in the U.K., but majority in the U.S. And also it was, I was also, it became, because all of us were good friends, and everybody would go, oh, look, I've just gotten this, I've just gotten that, I'm on my way, and I wanted to go too. And I wanted, it was a strong desire in my heart to go over there to, you know, and then something happened that I, I in this, within that time, I had an encounter with God that completely changed my life. And he started changing my focus, started changing his plan. He didn't tell me, look, uh, uh, but you know what he told me? While everybody was planning to go and everybody were leaving for the U.S., he told me, I'm sending you to Kano. I remember where he told me, Kano? Kano what? Somebody said, where is Kano? At that time, Kano was the occultic, Islamic occultic capital for Western Africa. It was a land that divorced its inhabitants. It was a land that a lot of times many Christians were slaughtered because of their faith. It was as if, at least he would have let me alone in, in where I was. He said, no, I'm sending you to Kano. And I remember before he said that, he told me very, very clearly, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and every other thing shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and every other thing. At that time, it, it was as if it completely turned around my life that from now on, make my kingdom your primary focus and leave the rest to me. He didn't tell me I'm going to send you into mission field. I'm going to send you, release the apostolic grace upon your life to go into the nation of Australia and the nation. He didn't tell me all of that. It would have been easier to go to Kano after he must say, well, go to Kano, stay there for five years, and then I'll go. It would have been so easy. So, okay, okay, I'm going for how many years now? Five years. My five years will soon be over, and I'll be packing my bags and going to where? Going to other places. He didn't say that. He just said, go. Because God will not use an untested vessel. 
He wanted to see whether I would obey him by going into a place that people were running away from. He wanted to see whether I will just follow him. And do you know what? I obeyed. And the rest is history. The rest is history. When I say history, I'm not talking about the written one. I'm talking about history in your life. Because history is history. Amen. But let me read to you that encounter with Moses where he started with him. Because it will help us to understand some things about building accurately. Exodus chapter 3, and I start to read from verse number 1. Exodus chapter 3. This was Moses' encounter with God. The first time he had that, I mean, when he had that encounter that changed his life. Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Where was Moses at this time? Somebody? Yes. Where was Moses? He was at the back of the desert, or the back side of the desert. Back side of the desert. Can I ask you another question? At this time, did Moses know that he will be delivered? He will be the one that God will use to deliver Israel out of Egypt. <laughs> he was at the back side of the desert. I'm sure by this time we just want to because before now. Uh, before now, Moses had been where? In the palace. He was the son of Pharaoh's daughter with all the, with all the paraphernalia of kingship. I'm sure Moses would have servants all over. Uh, you know, he would just, well, I want, I want, uh, uh, I want, Roti, and then oh yes, uh, which one do you want? Do you want the, the do you want the do you want the uh, old meal one or do you want the one that is the normal one? Oh, I want, uh, I want, I want this, I want that. You have a lot of servants around him attending to his every need before Moses would say, "Ooh." You know, about three will have appeared and say, okay, can you take this? Can you? you know, he, he must, for 40 years, Moses was like that. I'm sure Moses will have been saying, what a life, until it came into his heart. It suddenly understanding started coming that wait a minute. Oh, I don't think I'm actually an Egyptian. There's something about me that seems to be different from my environment. Can I tell you that there's something about you that is different from the environment where you are? It is the grace of God. That is why we cannot just war. We cannot blend in. We cannot do the thing that everybody is doing. Oh yes, if your vision is God-governed, your life will be war. If, I'll repeat again, hear me very clearly. If your vision is God-given, then your life will be God-governed. God-governed. Because you can't go anywhere. You can't go everywhere. You can't just do the thing that everybody is doing. Oh, yes, because of destiny. You can't just do it. Oh, yes, something that come into the life of Moses. And then, you know, he did. He wanted to fulfill it in his own strength. And he killed the Egyptian. And he had to run away. And now he was in the backside of the desert. You know, purpose, destinies, divine plans are divided generally into three phases. Are you hearing me very well? 
They are divided generally into what? Three phases. Number one is called the foundation. So the first 40 years of Moses' life was a foundation. Foundation. When he was in the palace, when he was enjoying all the paraphernalia of kingship, when he was there, I mean, he, he had everything. He learned all the language of the Egyptians because eventually it would stand before the king of Egypt to address him. It was foundation. Foundation. Foundation is the beginning. Everything that God does, any decision that God, there will be time of foundation. The time of foundation is when you seem to be, you know, hidden away. When nothing much, you know, foundation is just, you know what foundation lane is all about. So many times, thank God for, <laughs> for, for, for Moses' time in the palace. But a lot of times, foundation time is not pretty. Look at the foundation of a house. Look at the foundation of a building. You don't go to the foundation and you start to admire it and say, wow. Look at this beautiful foundation. Nobody, have you ever heard anybody saying that? What do you find in foundation? Robots. What do you find in foundation? Every, the blocks here, cement there, everything all over the whole place. But something eventually will come together. Foundation, you know, foundation. At that time, nobody's, you are just, you are there. Thank God for time of foundation. But that is a time of instruction. That is time also that you are, you are just, you are just, yeah, nothing seems to be happening. Foundation, it, it, it is many times rough. Some, nobody knows. You don't even have the understanding of a lot of things yet yourself. But that is foundation time. But at this time, Moses had moved from foundation to preparation. Because the first one is foundation. The second one is preparation. Every destiny will have those three faces. One, foundation. Number two, preparation. Preparation. Because Moses was not in the desert, being prepared by God to move into the last phase. Preparation time is instruction time. Preparation time is learning how to be disciplined. Preparation time is also just like foundation. Nobody knows, nobody sees. And sometimes we're, if we're not careful, we're singing, it's nobody knows the trouble I go through, you know, because he seemed to be home, left trouble. This one, trouble. Preparation time is instruction time. Is preparation time is the time that God seems to be stripping you so that you can bear more fruit. Because you have come into the kingdom. And in, to many also of us, we can also like it because you come into the kingdom, foundation time is your life, you know, we've just given your heart to Christ. Christ has now become a new foundation. A new foundation has been laid in you. And, you know, at foundation time also, uh, uh, just like in the case of Moses, when you seem to be having all the, uh, you know, when you first give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's happened many, many times to people. And you say, but when I first gave my heart, uh, you know, I just, before I ask, ping, answer. Before you act, you just just get in the but now I don't know why it seems to be taking a bit more time because you have left foundation time, you're not in preparation time. You have moved class. Have you noticed that nobody enters school and remain in the same class for six years? Except something is wrong. 
you you enter and then after a particular you move to the next class you move to the next class you move to the next class you know preparation time for Moses foundation to 40 years foundation to 40 years the first 40 years of Moses life was his was foundation the second 40 years was preparation because he was now the backside of a desert that he will meet with who have the God encounter that will change his life forever. You know, don't despise foundation time. Don't despise, especially preparation, because foundation, things are still, you know, it's preparation that a lot of time is like things are hard. It's like, so what is happening? It's like I'm having this trouble, I'm having that trouble. It is God taking you through process so that you can eventually come out so beautiful. Preparation time is when pruning is going on. Because you've come in and then you feel, yes, the whole world is at your feet. And God will say, okay, yes, I know the whole world is at your, but now you have to become what? The, the what? The carpet. You have to become the carpet that the whole world will what? Work on so that you can learn to what? To Humble yourself. And a lot of things will be happening. Preparation time. God was preparing Moses. And let's continue to read. Verse number two. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire. But the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Did you notice that he said the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac? And the God of Jacob, many times you find God introducing himself like this. Why didn't God just say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because the God of Abraham must become the God of Isaac. And the God of Isaac must become the God of Jacob. No matter how tall your father is, you must grow your own height. That means that the revelation of the fathers must become your revelation. You can't live by the revelation of your father. To an extent, you... God will allow it if you're a baby, but after a while, he'll start to demand from you that you start to walk in the revelation that you also, you have come into. That is why we can't just live on the faith of the pastor forever. Sometimes people say, I know pastor is praying. There's no problem with that. Pastor is praying, but God also will expect you to pray too. Because when somebody has just come into church, when somebody has just come into the kingdom of God, when a person doesn't know much, a lot of time, God will allow that person to be carried solely by the faith of the pastor. Oh, pastor is the one praying, and God is just relying on the faith, just like a little baby. You know, babies don't expect them to do anything or much for themselves. You know, whatever, when they cry, when they want food, the entire world is running to what does he want? What does he want? What does, nobody is asking. Nobody says, keep quiet, don't disturb. They don't say that to babies. 
You just say, oh, you, know, you want food? Bah. Or you want milk? Bah. You want celiac? Bah. You want, uh, <laughs> oh, quickly, 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 go and warm the food, go and warm the food. And, the, oh. and while you're warming the food, especially if you're like my last daughter, you know, when she was young, she will start with, oh, it's preparing you. Oh, the gear will be going from gear two to three. By the time you, if you don't get there quickly, you do, Everybody, whoa. Babies don't care whether anybody's listening to them or not. Babies just want it what? <laughs> so he said the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Meaning that the God of Abraham must become the God of Isaac, and the God of Isaac must become the God of Jacob. You need to grow your own height. Amen. But you know what the problem is? Sometimes people have been in church for years. And they still want God to treat them like babies. Meaning that, oh yes, I know. Oh, I know God understands. God indeed do understand. But God will expect something from you. If a parent, for a second, imagine that son of yours, that daughter of yours, after 10 years, is still trying to, instead of walking, is still what? Crawling. Oh, that, that 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 boy, you you know, you, you, oh, why is this boy or why this girl? You want to encourage the boy, want to encourage the girl to be better. You want to encourage that. Same thing with God. God wants more from you. You can't afford to remain the same after years in church. It is part of God's plan for us in the city of refuge. God has called us not to be an accommodation of or accumulating babies, but for a place where people are instructed to mature and carry command in the spirit, where they too can stand and become instruments in the hand of God for advancing kingdom so that they can fulfill their destinies at the end of the day when they depart and return back to the one who created them they can hear from him well done good and faithful servant enter into the joy of the lord that is why a major grace upon us is to build god has given us the grace to build to build wisely, to build lives. And in building, there's something called discipline. There's something called God making a demand on you so that you are not just sitting down doing nothing. Amen. That's why we have the apostolic training school. And I encourage everyone to go there in church. Though, yes, that God, that we are training ourselves. We are equipping each person. Each person is being equipped, is being trained. Amen. To fulfill God's purpose and God's plan for their lives. That whatever revelation I carry, you can start to walk in it too. So that you can also walk fulfill your destiny in God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me make this, let me share this with you. Let me say this loud and clear. Nobody has been called to sit down doing nothing. Everybody has been called to be involved. Yes, we all have different roles. We all have dif are different places, but there's something that God has called you to do. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And oh yes, and when, and when I say that, we are still working together. 
because it's not just taking off and saying, look, God has called me, I'm off. No, 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 no. An independent spirit is a demonic spirit. What the further you, the, the more you grow, the more dependent you are on the Holy Spirit, directing you, guiding you, leading you, telling you what to do. For he was afraid to look upon God. Yes, verse number six. Moreover, he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his faith, for he was afraid to look upon God. Verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their tax masters, for I know their sorrows. Verse number eight. For I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians. Oh, <laughs> you know, the Moses had gone through training. Forty years is now what ramping up. And Moses will now move from preparation to realization. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians. So the training he went through in foundation, being in Pharaoh's palace, learning the language of the Egyptians. Then, you know, you can imagine everybody serving him, everybody being around him. Then God said, no, you can't fulfill destiny like this. You think, oh, that's the way life is. I must train you so that you understand that you are not just called to be served, but called to serve. And, and then he took him to the back of the, server, uh, the back of the desert. So he now became what? The servant. Serving. I ask people, when somebody says, oh, well, uh, you know, oh, this minister, God is using this person, just using that person. My first question is always, where did he serve? Where did she serve? Who is the, that person's father in the spirit? Who trained him? Those are very critical questions that will, let, that will make it very clear to you so that you know the person has gone through process because I know my God is the God of process. He does not use an untested vessel. So who has trained him? Oh yes, there was a man of God in Nigeria. He's still there now, very popular. You know, travels all over the whole place. And people say God is using him, miracles and everything like that. But my question that I've asked is this, which has been difficult for him to answer or difficult for those who know him. Say, who trained him? Who has been his father? Where did he serve? Many times that question has, has gone unanswered. Because you, yeah, you can't just be following and say, oh, look at this person. Oh, he's doing miracles. There's something called miracle. What? Lies, signs, and wonders. And it's being perpetrated by Satan. And those who go there are under what? It's cloud and it's terrain. Because there's a, there's a way God builds. There's a way God builds. It, what? Foundation. Number two, preparation. Whereby you have been instructed. Whereby you have been trained. And I'm not talking about becoming pastor. Whatever it is that God has called you to do. There's always what? Preparation time. There's always what? Foundation time. And now, verse 8, realization of fulfillment. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them up from the dead land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, the Jebusites, and all the sides. Now therefore behold, now before, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore. Let me say this. I need to say this before I continue. Don't despise your preparation time. If you despise your preparation time, you spend a long time in class. Don't despise your especially preparation time. Preparation time is very critical. 
and many of us despise it. And sometimes, you know, you look at it, preparation time is not a time that you are recognized. It's a time that you have been trained. It's a time that you have been instructed. It's a time that God himself is giving you, this is the way to handle, this is the way to do it. Don't despise it. Don't despise it. Don't abort the process. Because you are, if you abort the process, you abort the destiny. Don't abort it. Don't abort it. And do you know, a lot of time during preparation time, there is also a time that things will happen and tears will come to your eyes. I doubt it that you are going through preparation if there has not been any time that you have to weep before God. I say, oh, Lord, I don't understand what I'm going through. I don't understand this, oh Lord. But please help me. But do you know what he will say to you? Remain in class. You will eventually understand. Remain in class. Say, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse number 10. Come now, therefore, I reward. Because preparation time is not being what? Completed. And Moses is now about to move into realization of fulfillment. Let me take Jesus. He also went through the same thing. Same process. For the first 12 years of his life, foundation. He was taken to the temple at the age of 12. And at that point, he met with the writers of the law and the Pharisees. The Bible says he was instructing them. And he was what? Talking. Maybe we should go there. It will help us to understand. Let's, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Luke, chapter number 2, uh, from verse number 41. Luke 2, from verse number 41. It reads, and I quote, Luke chapter 2, from verse 41. Are you there? This is the Son of God, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. If he went through this, how much more you and I? Foundation time, we can read from verse 40. And the child what? Grew. And became what? Strong in spirit. Filled with wisdom. The grace of God was upon him. The child. It was just a child growing up. Foundation time. Then 41. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old. How old? 12 years old. Preparation time. They went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned there, what was said about him in verse 40? The what? The child. Now in verse 43, the boy. The boy. The boy Jesus. If you notice in verse 41, I mean verse 40. Let's go there. Verse 40. To, and the what? Child. Capital C. Meaning not just another child, but still was what? Child. Child grew. Divine child grew. If you now go to verse 43, you would not see something there. When they had finished the days as they returned, the word, the boy, again, capital word, B. Not just an ordinary boy, but still what? Boy. Because it was both fully God and fully man. The boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. Yes, but supposing 
or assuming him to have been in the company. Yeah, let me say this. Assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. Hello? Assumption is the lowest form of They assumed he was in the company. They supposed he was in the company. And they went in this journey and sought him amongst their relatives and acquaintances. 45. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now it was after three days because he will eventually die and he will what? Rise from the dead after three days. <laughs> they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who had him were astonished at his understanding and answer because he wrote the book. Hello? He what? He wrote the book. They learned the book, but he wrote the book. So they were surprised that what school? How come this child has not even gone to the school of Gamaliel or the school of uh, which other school? And how come? We don't understand it because he wrote the book. They were astonished at his understanding and answers. 40, 48. So when they saw him, they were amazed or they were flabbergasted. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? If you make your business the father's business, you will explain the favor, the power, the unction, and the breakthrough that the father has reserved for those who belong to him. Amen. And I'm not talking about those who are physically, maybe you are involved in business or you are managing a business. If you make your life his business. <laughs> oh, so did you not know I must be about my father's business? Was he trading here? Was he selling coconut or selling, uh, that they say, which business? Say, this is coconut business I'm doing. No, 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 no. He was talking about the divine purpose. He was talking about being about God's plan, being about God's will for his life. Verse number 50. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth. He went what? And came to what? And he was what? He was what? Subject to them. He, was, he submitted himself to them. He was their creator. He created them. And yet he submitted himself to them because it was still preparation time. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Then verse 52, and he increased. If you handle your preparation time very well, you will increase in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and reward. Man, but when you abort it, you cut yourself away from the wisdom and you are unable to develop stature and walk in the favor that God has ordained for you. I can tell you about myself. I can tell you how I had to again learn to submit myself. How again, how I, and I remember some people say, oh, why are you in submission like this oh because God was preparing me for some things that were ahead of me and it wasn't easy 
He wasn't comfortable where it was preparation time. He took me to the backside of the desert. Oh yeah, he took me to the place where even though I, I, was, I was at certain ministering, even in nations and conferences, he now took me so that I could learn again to submit myself. I could learn again to be instructed. I could learn again that God will walk through God's servant, train me. Praise the name of the Lord, and I thank God I remain ever grateful for those years of training. I thank God, for I thank God, I, ca I cannot thank God enough for somebody like Dr. Bakari. Pastor Tony Bakari, who is, is my spiritual father and mentor, thank God for how God has used him. We were still together this morning. Somebody say, how come? That's the wonders of technology. We're still together this morning in a program where I, you know, I opened it up and he, he spoke there. And I thank God for the impact. I thank God for the training. I thank God for how God has used him in my life. There are people that God will place in your life to train you, to teach you, to instruct you, to, to show you. And if you all, because you're uncomfortable, because things are happening that, oh yes, I'm telling you, cut yourself away. Oh, from the process. And instead of you coming into the wisdom and stature, you cut yourself away from that. For how long he was there, he went and submit himself to them. For how long? At this time, as Jesus started preaching? Preaching to thousands? No. At this time, was he still the son of God? Or no? Still the, same, still the son of God. But he was what? Remember, he came from heaven to earth. To show the way. You. From the cross to the grave. From the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name. Wow. Oh my God. Thank you. He came from heaven to earth. To show the way from the earth to the cross, our debt you paid from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord. I, you know what he said to me? He said, Tell them that I went through all of that because of them. I submitted in myself to my earthly parents so that I could make clear and known to you the pattern for you to follow. I did that not just because of me, but I did it because of you. I did it so that those that will come behind me will learn the pattern to follow so that they can also become who and everything that I planned for them. He said to me, he said, tell them that. That I submitted myself not just because of me, but because of them so that they will learn to follow and to 
pattern their lives the way I patterned my life. But that when they follow the divine pattern, then they will get to my destination. Then my purpose and plans will not be aborted because no one can abort any plan, any life that is being built according to pattern. Because Satan cannot build where I'm building. When I'm building, the enemy cannot build there because in there, my grace is released. My presence is there. And with my presence and my grace, you will experience my glory. Many of you that you desire to see my glory, you want to see my glory made manifest in your lives, in what you're doing, but learn to build according to pattern. Learn to follow me. Learn to walk with me. Even when you don't understand it, learn to trust me. Learn to hold on to my word when the circumstances around you do not seem to be aligning. No, learn to hold on because my word is the greatest and my word is the highest manifestation of my presence on the face of the earth when you hold on to my word then you will experience my power and then you encounter my presence and nothing can take away my glory from being made manifest in your life learn to follow me learn the pattern i came i live the way i live so that i could lay down the pattern and then you can follow the pattern to become even the way i became and i fulfill my time and fulfill my plan I fulfill that which my father has asked me to do. Follow and you will also experience the same. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you that you have not left us in darkness. Thank you again for making this clear to us. And Lord, grant us the grace and the patience to follow. Lord, I must, I must admit that many times it's not easy but your grace is sufficient for us and your strength is made perfect in weakness. Then when we are weak, then you are strong. Be strong in our weakness, Lord. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. How long did this period go for in the life of Jesus? The first phase foundation was for how long? 12 years. The second phase preparation for how long? 18 years. Because it was at the age of 30 that he was baptized and started his ministry. Can you see how long preparation took? And sometimes we want preparation to do. You know, many times just, oh Lord, I'm asking you, just give me patience now. Lord, in Jesus' name, I receive patience now. It is done. Amen. I am, I'm full of patience. Now I'm ready for to walk in patience. No, he doesn't walk like that. The Son of God, remember, the one that was born by immaculate conception, went through preparation for 18 years. No wonder he patiently waited on the Father releasing. No wonder the ministry took three and a half years. Because he went through it properly. And for he was ready. Three and a half years of explosion. 
ministry. You know, sometimes, you know, we don't want, we don't wait enough. We don't allow God to prepare us for that thing, for those things that he has in store for us. After two years, we're ready. After three years, we're already tired. After four years, we're already uh, at the apostle. After five years, we are uh, both apostle and prophet combined together and ready. You know, no, 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 no. He does not work like that. And then you have the word apostle. Uh, you know, uh, print. Uh, you have it on the, uh, on calling cards. They say, oh, oh yes, uh, apostle by calling card. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That's why I don't carry those things around. You know, let the fools talk. Let the fools say it. I'm not saying it's wrong to have cards. That's what I'm saying. But if the apostolic ministry is tied to the card, there's something wrong. Amen. That we only recognize it because of the card you carry. Praise the name of the Lord. Not because of the fruit. Let the fruit show. That is what the world is waiting for. The whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Let the sons of God manifest. In Jesus' name. Amen. Three and a half years, 12 years foundation, 18 years preparation, three and a half years ministry. And we all know how you finish, how the entire thing, you know, <laughs> finished. So much power. And that's why we're still here today. Amen. Praise God. Exodus 3, and I start to round these things off. Uh, verse number 10. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out. Verse number 10. I'm reading 10. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that should go to Pharaoh? <laughs> that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. These are indicators of somebody who is ready for the assignment. He said, Who am I? Because the confidence is not in who you are. It's not self-confident. It's God's confidence. Say, who am I? Amen. If it had been 40 years, say, come, I'm going to send you. Say, yes, I'm the prince. I'm ready to go now. Let's go. Let's go. Where is it? I'm ready now. No, no, no. He went through 40 years of preparation. Something had to change. Must be ready. Because a vessel that is already filled cannot be what? Filled again by God. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Verse number 12. So he said, I will certainly be with what? You. Oh, things have changed now. It's not about God being with him. And this shall be a sign to you that I've sent you. When you shall brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. The Holy Spirit said to me, he said, every divine purpose is centered around that. Anything you're doing, Whatever thing that God has called you to do is centered around this verse number 12. Anything. God has called me to pastor a church. God has called me into business. God has called me as a doctor. God has called me as an engineer, as a lawyer. Whatever God has called you to do, if you want to be, want him to fill you with what he did to Jesus wisdom, stature, and favor. It must be about service. But I need to explain that to you so that you understand what I'm talking about. Let, let's, let's go. Let me, oh, let, let me read Exodus 3.12 to you from the NIV version. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you 
that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought these people out of Egypt, you will worship God. So the word serve, there is the word worship. So the purpose of God in any life, in every life, is predicated and centered on worship. On worship. On worship. So God is calling us. Or God has called us. And God, you know, whenever God called is to worship. Let me read it to you again from the Message Bible. I'll be with you, verse 12. And God said, this will be the proof that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought my people out of Egypt, you will worship God right here at this mountain. You will worship God right here at this mountain. It's about worship. So whatever you're doing, if worship is not central to it, you have not started following divine purpose. When you go to work tomorrow, for those who will be going to work, don't forget this. As you go, you are going there toward to worship. Because the thinking is that today we have gone to church and now Monday to Friday we are at work. Not realizing that we are the church. Amen. We are the church. The building is just the place of worship. And I thank God for the building that God is giving us. By the grace of God, very soon we will be there. But I'm telling you, it's just a platform for us to worship. We are the church. I will be with you. And this will be the proof that I'm the one who sent you. When you have brought my people out of you, we worship. God said, my purposes are centered around what? Worship. Somebody said, okay, worship, but I can't play any musical equipment at work. When you say service, when we're in church, yes, we sing, and I like the way, you know, the, the, the guests, they dance, and all of us are worshiping, and they're, they're dancing, and they're singing, and they're saying one time, two time, and they're saying all of that, and everybody can do that in church. I can't do it, you know, kind of, they take the guitar, and I like the way, you know, uh, you know that young man, what's his name? Is it Joel, or is it Joab? Oh, no, it's Joel. Yes, I like the way he plays the guitar. I can't take the guitar to walk, and then how can I worship that? Oh, you know the reason why you're saying that? Because you don't understand what worship is all about. Worship is not just about the music. Worship is not just about the guitar. Worship is not just about the dancing, and definitely not about the what, and not about the dancing and the shaking and all those on. Thank God we do that as an expression of our worship. That is not worship. What is worship? That's where I'll round up. Because I want you to go to work. And if if you are not going to work, if you are still under lockdown, you know, King Jesus' name, you're out of lockdown in the name of Jesus Christ. And whenever you go there, whenever you go to your office, whenever you go to, just know I'm going this morning again to, on Sunday in church, I had what? We had corporate worship. But now I'm still going to walk to war to worship. 
Amen. Oh yes, how at the at the train station I am what should be an expression of worship. And my place of war is all about worship. My, when I'm talking relating to my fellow workers, it's about worship. So that because of me worshiping or because being continually in the act of worship, my life can become an advertisement or an attraction for others to come into the kingdom. God wants to announce himself through your life. But you, God cannot because many times we are not in tune. We are not worshiping him. Uh, and that is why I need to let you know again that worship has nothing to do with singing, music, and the rest of it. Those things are good. The expression of worship, the way your life can be an expression of his worship. Those things are good, but they are not worship. Let me take you to Genesis 22 and I'll close there. And I'm going to pray a prayer for you this morning. It's so strong on my heart. And I will do that at the end of this message. Genesis chapter number 22. It reads, and I quote from verse number 1. Genesis 22 from verse number 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Remember? How long has Abraham been working with God here? Over 25 years. But it was still testing time. Because Abraham was now what? About to move to another level in God. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a bond offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Uh, if I handle that verse 2 alone, we'll go on for another one hour. But I'll leave it till another time. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the bond offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Remember, for how long was Jesus in the temple before he was discovered by his parents? So he was discovered on the third day. Then on the third day, there's something about the third day which eventually will culminate in the resurrection. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here. With the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. Question Where are the musical equipments there? Hello? Where? The platform? Where? No guitar there. No drum set there. No microphones there. Then, but Abraham said, Worship. Why? Because worship is not just about those things at all. Those things, when they are used, represent platform or instruments, equipment whereby we express our worship. Then what is worship? Three things. One, worship is adoration to God and the exalted Christ. One, worship is adoration, meaning that in my words, with my life, is my life giving adoration to God and the exalted Christ? 
is my life magnify him and glorify him the way i conduct myself the way i handle my character does he exalt christ so when you are at work and you see that you can worship why with your conduct and character with the way you conduct yourself because when you start to do that and you are conscious of the fact that you oh yes i'm at work but i'm worshiping him you know what it will attract to you presence and we know what presence does brings into your life power we want the power we want the signs and the wonders but we are not interested in the worship and we are not we don't want to conduct ourselves those are the things that are bought power why the power is not made manifest because we think it's only when we are within a building that we can worship when we don't know that we've been called to worship him wherever we are number two worship 